0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Les Talk podcast, LES is in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We are super pumped to be again here with you guys this week because we get to recap a BYU dub. We will be talking about the BYU-Washington State game, we'll be talking about some more week 8 college football action, we'll be talking about a lot of stuff this week, it's going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's BOOL! Go Tigers!
1: But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go for your dash, right?
2: <laughs> Let's back this bullet. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> <laughs> Let's, go, yes. Let's go, wild. Let's man, go. Man, baby. Let's go.
3: Let's <laughs> <Becapped> the ball. <laughs> We're at a waterfall, dude. Oh. Oh. He my. Put this bar down here.
2: <laughs> go, 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 go. Go, 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 stand down, stand down. B-y-u, 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 B-y-u,
1: B-y-u. Hello listeners, B-y-u, welcome back into the podcast. From wherever you are joining us, from sea to Shining to Shining Sea.
0: Yeah. If you're in Brussels, Belgium, shout out to you. Yeah,
1: we got a couple of those somehow. <laughs> um we are gathered here today. To discuss BYU's game on Saturday. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. They went up to the eastern side of the state of Washington. The Pullman, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Which is not the side I would go to, but ooh, <laughs> wasn't my call. <laughs> and played Washington State. Ended up winning 21-19 in you kind push. of a... I don't know. It wasn't the most exciting game. <laughs> it was a little ugly. But we got the dub. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't That's super exciting.
0: I mean, to be honest, we were—I was watching the game right, and we had three televisions up, and there were, was the Penn State game happening at the same time? Or was at it, the beginning, at the beginning, right? The beginning, yeah. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie—I did watch a little bit more of the Penn State Illinois overtime <laughs> than I did the BYU game because the BYU game wasn't super exciting to begin. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. And let's be honest, like I was glad that we had multiple TVs because even during the game, like. It was nice to be able to like check in and be like, okay, teams can score points in college football. Like, <laughs> that is a thing. Offense exists. But Don't we love you. We're, we're happy
1: that we got to watch that game.
3: Yeah, yep. and we're happy that we won. We're back on a we're back on a winning streak.
1: One uh, game winning streak. There we go.
3: One week winning streak,
1: undefeated in the last one game. Nice.
3: <laughs> so, um just a little recap of the game. Washington State went down and scored on the very first possession, yeah, and then BYU yeah. came back and answered right back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, some early fireworks there. Yeah, yeah it looked all... like it was going to be very interesting. Right. Going to be one of those Can I say shootout anymore?
3: Oh, rivalry. I'll I'll edit that out. Bleep that out. Bleep. But uh, after that, both teams got absolutely lost until the start of the third quarter, Mm -hmm. where BYU went right down and scored. If I'm not mistaken, Washington scored in their very next possession as well. Yep. And so. But. Yes. (laughs) Big but. They scored
1: a touchdown, but they did not get their point after. No, yeah. they did not.
3: Attempt. Very lucky for BYU because yeah. our defense was running around with its heads cut off. There, yeah, we're just that lucky point. that Washington State was having that even more than us because they they had a guy open. Like,
0: yeah. And let's be honest, That's weird. What happened is you know the the kicker, the kicker was fine. It was the holder. The holder drops the snap, stands up, and looks like he has absolutely no clue what to do with the football. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of stares at it for a second
1: like, uh, and kind of
0: walks around. BYU, for whatever reason, hasn't been rushing extra point kicks this season. They just, like, stand up and let them kick it. Damn. So when that happened, both teams just kind of stood up and looked at each other <laughs> for, like, like, a full three <laughs> seconds. What? And then they both realized, oh, shoot, this is a live play. And then they started playing again. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, lucky, Luckily for us, Washington State's placeholder can't throw a football to save his life, so they oh, didn't man. convert
3: that. Uh, is it just me, or have you guys noticed that more and more, like, punters and special teams players are being the holders for kicks, which I think is great because, you know, they get to do something and it's somebody in practice that doesn't have a lot of other responsibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can practice that. But for me, I want my backup quarterback or my third string quarterback holding the ball so that if that ever does happen, you automatically know what's going to happen. Right. And so you don't get stuck with this. Uh, I'm just going to throw it at the fullback and All I right. don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's that's my take on it. I that.
1: think BYU should put Baylor-Romney in there as holder. <laughs> and then just like every third time do a fake and have him just throw a laser to the back corner to Isaac Rex or something.
0: <laughs> on the clock every third Unstoppable. time. Unstoppable. Like, the other team's going to know it's coming, but they won't be able to stop it. They won't stop it because he's amazing.
3: <laughs> I love it. Then uh, Tyler Algier uh, mm-hmm. literally carried the rest of the game for us. <laughs> yeah. Scored a touchdown. Uh, Washington State scored in the last couple of minutes to tie potentially tie the game. Yeah. But we stopped them on their two point conversion play. And I would just like to shout out Jacob Robinson, who Um, amazing. Like it was beautiful. The whole play is going to one side and then they ran, they run the, like the pitch back reverse pass and Jacob Robinson, as soon as he saw the other guy coming, he breaks down, turns around, finds his guy and just locks him down. So huge shout out to Jacob Robinson there. That was amazing.
0: Saved the game. Very, mm-hmm. very good.
3: Literally saved the Tyler
0: game. Tyler Algier finished the game with two touchdowns at 191 rushing yards on 32 carries.
1: That's a lot Sheesh. of carries. A lot more
0: than last week. And I think we prefer that he carry the ball
1: that much or even more. Isn't that right? That's right. I've got a stat for you guys. Okay. And before I tell you this, I want to ask you, what do you think BYU's worst games have been this season? Baylor. Baylor,
0: yeah, yeah, hands down. That was a bad one. Um, Boise State, <laughs> yeah, loss. Our two losses. <laughs> there
3: <laughs> you yep. go. I'd say the USF game. USF was kind of ugly.
0: Of ugly yeah, USF game was ugly. Arizona game was kind of ugly, but you know, first, yeah, f-
1: first game of the year. You know, I don't. I won't read too much into that one. So, Tyler Algier had thirty-two carries this game, right? Amazing. And in those three games you mentioned, Baylor, Boise State. And USF, he had 15, 15, and 19. Oh, so <laughs> and he hasn't been injured. No, nope. like it was injured. It's, it's there's a very strong correlation, some would say causation, oh my. between <laughs> Given Tyler Algier the ball and our team playing well and winning games because the USF game. We started off really well, but then our play calling got all funky and we looked really bad. Yeah. Barely won. And we saw the two losses, Baylor and Boise State. We also looked bad on offense, looked kind of lost. Completely. And literally lost the game. <laughs> we just <laughs> looked lost. Yeah, we so, really looked lost there. And credit goes to our offensive line this game for giving him the opportunities to you know carry the ball. Because, I, I mean, as much as I want us to give him the ball, if it's not working it's kind of dumb to just keep giving the ball play after play if he's only getting one or two yards per carry but if he and our offensive line can you know be playing well together then he can he makes our team so much better on offense so it was good to see that our team go back to that this game against Washington state Yeah. That's the truth. Shout out to our big boys.
0: Yep. Yes. We We love the big boys on this podcast.
3: Oh, yes. And I really liked what I saw in a couple of the plays from the game that I haven't really seen all season. They were running downhill. Like, Mm. they weren't, none of the outside zone cutback reads. They were just plowing a, a line for Tyler. Like on yeah. that final third down conversion, the ISA game, they just opened up a hole right in the defense. Yeah. It wasn't a cutback. And then Tyler, credit to him, I mean, that's the most carries anybody's had since that 2016 game with Jamal Williams versus Toledo. Oh, where holy he, cow. Jamal yeah. had like 300 yards or whatever. That's a lot factories. of carries. So that's impressive for Tyler Algier. Do you guys think that he is one of the best running backs? Uh, or maybe where do you rank him among the best running backs that you've seen play football at BYU?
0: I mean, absolutely. He's up there. Tyler Algier has been incredible. I mean, he's already already a 2,000-yard rusher, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, on his um, career. He's, he's an incredible running back. And to speak to your point, Jared, about running the ball up the middle, you could see that, man, that guy's licking his chops. Mm-hmm. He cannot oh, wait yeah. to put a shoulder into somebody. <laughs> you know, he used to play you know, running back, linebacker, running back. So he's an aggressive player. Did you get on that first touchdown, did you guys see him like jump and launch himself at <laughs> oh, that yeah. poor Washington State player? <laughs> Just yeah. completely needlessly launched himself into his head. <laughs> like, that was incredible. Jumped right through him. But uh, to answer your question, I do think Tyler Algier is a definitely a I'm gonna say top five running back.
1: Top history. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think you've got Jamal Williams recently. Of course. Um Harvey, Unga oh, Of course, comes Classic. to mind. Luke yes. Staley. Luke Staley was, an was a animal. beast. Who else is that? There I mean, you got Jamal I Willis. Jamal Willis. Back in the Bella Edwards oh, era. yeah. So I think you know, in the last decade, he's definitely one of the best. Yeah. And yeah, he'll probably go down by the end of his career as one of the best in program history. Not the best, but definitely one very good for us.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think he's great. Um, moving on to the quarterback position, Jaron Hall went 15 of 20, which okay, is yeah. decent. They're on what, 75%. Yeah. Uh, for 143 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. It's kind of like just kind of a bleak game. Not like yeah. bad, but just, you know, it fit right <laughs> in with the plums
1: <laughs> just there. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's just there. Uh, we, we didn't see Jaron Hall take a ton of shots, um, we talked uh, coming into this game that Washington state does cover the deep ball pretty well that mm-hmm. they, they have been uh, trying to limit shots all year. They're a rush three drop eight team. Yeah. So we didn't get to take a ton of shots, which is why I think Jaron Hall didn't get very many touchdowns. And once we got within scoring territory, our running backs were just eating up the, uh, we're just eating up Washington state's defense. So why risk throwing an interception when you can just, Punch it right in for six. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think it was a bad game for Jaron. Uh, would we have liked to have seen more offense and would we have liked to see more scoring? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jaron Hall did his job, took care of the ball, didn't turn the ball over. So, I can't really complain that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of a lukewarm game, but I mean, we didn't need all the flashy plays from him when we have Tyler Algier going for almost 200 yards. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so,. Yeah. Can't complain very much there. I think there probably were times where he could have done a little bit more for us on, you know, third down conversions mm-hmm. or some of the fourth downs we went for. But, I mean, I don't, I can't discredit him very much. He went 15 for 20, which is, you know, good. Yeah. It's, it's good good enough percentage, get, I guess. <laughs> what <laughs> about the defense, you guys? I'll say
0: our defense played a pretty good game. Uh, One of the things we talked about going into the game that one of our keys to success was limiting the deep ball, which we really did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did not give up a ton of passes. I think we gave up maybe one or two deep balls, but it wasn't something that was awful.
1: Our defense—they
3: weren't like breakaway deep balls, right? Exactly. Right. We gave up a bunch of ten to fifteen yarders, but there wasn't anything over the top. You know, we didn't let them get behind us.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Our defense gave up 257 yards, which isn't awful in this era of college football had a takeaway almost had two if it wasn't for <laughs> if it wasn't for our boy Malik Moore dropping two would've. interceptions on like <laughs> what was it in two interceptions in three plays something yeah. like that like he, he dropped one on close. first down second down got thrown somewhere else third down dropped one there too so <laughs> our defense played a played a good game we limited uh what's his name Jaden Delaura
3: Delaura Delaura yeah <laughs>
0: we limited him we didn't let him throw the ball deep we didn't let him run around we only gave up Nineteen points, three
1: touchdowns. So shout out to our defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think yeah I agree. They played pretty well overall. The one gripe I have is the, our third down defense, mm. which we've kind of been talking about all season. All season. And this game, Washington State was seven for eleven on third down. That is ooh, yeah, bad for BYU. It's not ideal. We hate to have them, you know, keep their drives alive on third down, even if it's third and long. We give up a you know, 12-yard passing player or whatever. We're, I think our defense is close, but besides those third downs, they were good with those third downs. It makes it a lot harder for our defense and our offense to kind of get in sync. And if we can tighten things up on third down, we'll take a big step forward, I think.
3: Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things for me is our secondary. I think our scheme puts our secondary in precarious situations, mm-hmm. but our athletes back there are amazing Malik Moore, and I know we're we all made fun of him because he dropped those two picks, right? Yeah. One of them was like, eh, it would have been great if he caught it, but it was a tough play, you know. Yeah. And the other one. That literally second hit one was in the right face in his hands. hands. <laughs> but he is a phenomenal safety. Yeah. Like, He's and he yeah. had one pick in the game. Yeah, like yeah. he had a pick.
0: And, and it was it was an incredible pick. It was yeah. a hard ball to catch, and he went up and got it.
3: Yep. And he he is always in the right spot at the right time. He's a great safety. Obviously he's going to get bad press after this game, but <laughs> him, Caleb Hayes, um, we had a new guy come in, Jacob Boren, who I think is a mm-hmm. scout team player. Cause he's not even technically on the roster. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. We could tell that
0: they
1: were Some picking on Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, they were really picking on He Boren. did
3: pretty well for, you know, if he's not on the roster, you know, he's not, definitely not there yet, but he did a pretty good job of playing his assignments. They did pick him on, a, on him a little bit. But overall, I was impressed with our secondary.
0: I will say, I don't think Malik Moore is going to get a ton of negative press just because, you know, when a wide receiver drops a pass like that, of course, they're getting eaten (laughs) into him. But when a DB drops a pass like that, it's like, that's why you're not playing wide receiver. And that's the only (laughs) hate they get, you know. But shout out to Malik Moore. I will give you some positive press. What was it, against, I think it was against Boise State? I'm not sure. You made a tackle that gave me bingo. On the BYU game day, oh, yeah. so shout out to Malik Moore, you got me bingo. <laughs> MVP right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that win, that moves us on to six and two. Um, I know we talk about it now that we would, you know, like to be seven and one or eight and zero. But if I if I told you before the season, at this point, come week nine, we would be six and two. I think any of us would have taken it, given oh, yeah. the schedule that we had, right?
3: If you mm-hmm. would have told me 6-2 and two with a win over Utah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> heck yeah.
0: It's awesome. Now that we have six wins, we are bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. So get pumped for that. We're going to a bowl game. The only downside is that bowl game is the Independence Bowl against Conference Wah-wah. USA. <laughs> which Conference USA looks like they are getting picked apart little <laughs> by little, <laughs> and they are about weird. to be relegated to FCS. So, yeah. Yeah, not, not an ideal bowl scenario for BYU.
3: So because BYU is contracted with ESPN... And the independence bowl is also contradict with ESPN. There are rumblings that ESPN might pull some strings and get BYU into a more favorable matchup in a bowl game. Ooh. Now interesting. Now BYU also because when you sign for a bowl game, there's usually like a like a sub-contract thing that goes along with it. And BYU's like alternate as you would say, um, for their bowl game is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, which I think is the Cheez-It Bowl this year, which we would love. Ooh, the oh. Cheez-It Bowl. And, and <laughs> yes, sure that one's in um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, but,
0: not 100% positive.
3: But the Guaranteed Rate Bowl is Big Ten or Big 12. Mm.
1: Yes. Orla- Cheez-It Bowl in, in Orlando, Florida. Ah. Anyway. Camping World Stadium. Sure. But, <laughs> If BYU, if a
3: Big 10 or Big 12 opponent is not able to fill that um, slot in there, BYU would take that spot. Oh, okay. So there is a possibility, but it's very dependent upon the other conferences and the mid-tier teams.
0: Right, yeah, Yeah. of course. As long as we don't have to end up playing in the Independence Bowl. The only way I would like playing in, in the Independence Bowl is if UTSA won out and we got to play UTSA. An
3: undefeated UTSA That'd be kind of cool, it.
0: but I really would prefer to play a Power 5 team.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Maybe I've, I've already gotten my Power 5 fix for the year. You know, if we beat Virginia, we beat yeah. USC. That score. means we would have beaten six Power 5 teams. Six out of seven is pretty so, good. Yeah, I would, I would take playing an undefeated UTSA in a bowl.
3: Yeah, but um, I guess we'll just see, you know, how, how it goes. Yeah, so it's ACC or Big 12 for the Cheez-It Bowl. And mm-hmm. so if either of those teams... Can't fill that spot, BYU would. So all right.
4: Yeah. Interesting.
3: Um, final wrap up for the Washington State game. Um, just two questions. One, you know, like how we're feeling, and something that goes right into that. Um, did BYU win the game or did Washington State lose the game? What are you guys' thoughts?
1: Um, for most of the game, I would have said that Washington State lost the game because of their point after attempts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That had us, you know, kind of two points ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But with our last drive, we kind of just you know ran the ball, ran the clock out with Tyler Algier, I think that kind of shifts me to say that we won the game. Okay. Because we kind of took control. It was kind of in our hands whether we would you know, just run the clock out or score or you know, have to punt and give the ball back to them. And because and you know, we were able to keep our drive alive and move the sticks, I think. We deserve credit for the win.
3: All right. I like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even realize. I just looked
0: into what you were talking about, Dan. And yeah, we ate up four minutes and 14 seconds off the clock.
3: <laughs> Which is incredible. Which is great. Yeah, it's something that <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, BYU has been able to do in the past. So yeah, was, shout out to that. That was big. Um, I definitely think that Washington State lost this game. Uh, Washington State just didn't play very well. It looked like they didn't show up. We were running all over them. Which you know, credit to our offensive line and credit to Tyler Algier for that, but that missed extra point really just changed the game. At that point, you know we got momentum because of that, and we also got momentum because they scored and we stopped them on their two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. Those momentum shifters do not exist. If Washington State just kicks that extra point through, it's a twenty-one to twenty-one game. Maybe you were, we have to drive, we have to drive down the field. I feel confident that maybe we could have gotten into field goal range. But with the way that Jake Oldroyd was playing, who knows if that kick would have gone in. So, (laughs) I think that Washington State lost this game, but I'm happy that we
3: won it. Yeah, Uh, me too. I'm happy we won. And you know what? I've kind of gotten to the point where I can't be mad when we win games anymore. I just told myself that, right? Like, can't be mad with a win. Uh, I think Wazoo's muffing the snap definitely... Uh, made... I don't I don't want to say... This, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I feel like it made the game closer than it had to be. Because I feel like BYU, I think we're the superior team, and I think everybody could kind of see it. It's just our scheme kind of let us down, whether it was offensively or defensively. And I think if Washington State had tied the game up at 21, I feel like BYU would have gone down and scored a touchdown. Cause I think we had that in it. Like Dan said, like on the last drive, yeah. we just kind of bullied him for four minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we could have done that had we needed to, but, and Kalani being the great guy that he is, you know, doesn't want to <laughs> run the score up on people. Yeah. So he's like, God, ah, two points. Psh, we're we'll good. We'll take it. A W's sure. a w, right? So honestly, now after the game, I'm okay. I'm feeling good. Um, I worry a little bit about Virginia, but we'll get into that uh, next episode. Um, but 10 wins, still possible. Still possible.
0: Like I keep posting on our story, uh, you know, from Fast and Furious, of Diesel, our guy says, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. <laughs> Winning's winning. We won on a fluke, but we had the ball last, and I feel confident that we won because we played better than Washington State did. Mm-hmm. Even though it was a close That's game, true. even though it was a fluky win, we still outperformed Washington State which I'm happy with.
1: Yeah, I think this game kind of showed me that our coaches are adjusting a little bit and learning what our strengths are, particularly with the rushing attempts to Tyler Algier. I think we've seen flashes of him in different games throughout the season, like the Utah State game. And the coaches are... They went a lot more to him this game, and they went more between the tackles, not these weird outside yes. read plays. <laughs> and I think that's a good development for our team. It'll make us better, our offense especially, um, with the rest of our schedule. Um, this game was kind of like a mediocre, lukewarm <laughs> game, so Definitely. it doesn't make me like significantly more optimistic in the team. But it was a close game on the road, and we got the win. So I'm happy about that, and I think it'll you'll make us better, make our players better to you know, learn from it and move on to the next games. Awesome. Before we move on from the BYU-Washington State game, I did want to add
0: shout-out to our defense for bouncing back, mainly our run defense.
3: Mm.
0: You know, mm-hmm. against Baylor, we gave up 6 billion rushing yards. <laughs> it was awful. But against Washington State, we only gave up 93. Washington okay. State's running backs are incredible. They weren't running the ball a whole lot. But still, we held them to 93 <laughs> yards, and that's the way you bounce back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was really impressed with our ball control, too. Zero turnovers. And even though we were on the road in a hostile environment, only two penalties for 10 yards.
3: That is amazing. Yeah, so we played
0: a very clean game. And like I said, we outperformed the Washington State. Because I think they had penalties for somewhere in the range of 40 to 50 yards. Okay. Yeah. So shout out to our team for playing a clean, good game, and for getting business done.
3: Yeah. And you can't be mad with a win. Yep, Winning is winning. You play to win the game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so let's move on to a review of the college football week eight at large. You know, we just talk, got done talking about BYU-Washington State. I think it's time that we go into our fastest 15 and review the 15 most exciting games of the week. What do you guys say?
3: Mm-mm, mm-mm,
0: let's go. Bump.
1: <laughs> All righty, folks, we start off in the great village of Boone, North Carolina, where oh. intercostal Carolina faced off with fun belt foe appetizer state.
4: Love me some buffalo. The chant,
1: Tickle Your Ears, were full <laughs> before the main course arrived, and the non-Power 5 Davy Crockett's hunted the kings of the barnyards down and ate them for lunch in a touching tribute to Fansville. Mountaineers flattened Coastal U's New Year's Six hopes just like that poor dad's signed state game ball. (laughs) America might cry, That team was like a son to me. But Cougar fans all cheered for joy as App State shocked the teal 30 to 27.
4: Gotta hate them mullets. Mm. In a battle for control of the Intermountain West Division 2, Ogden turned into an absolute farm with cows and rams as far as the eye can (laughs) see. All was going well for Colorado State until they forgot that spiking the ball was a legal part of the game. Mm -hmm. The game-winning kick was further left than communistic politics. Utah State wins 26-24.
2: Hail Hydra. Oh, we head back east where trouble was brewing in Indianapolis for G5's Nationwide. Ken Neumatu, low, 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 low. Tut, his men that service academies can pass the ball, and caught the slightly hungover barcats on their hind legs heels. However, Usnavi couldn't quite pull off the upset, and will have to wait to drink that
1: bottle of cold champagne.
2: Luke Ficklewalker avoids disaster, 27 to 20. What a game.
1: Next, in Tuscan Raider Lusa, the Crimson Dawn were caught off guard by an all-out assault at the hands of Turnersia. Josh high-pulled his guys up enough for three cores of fun, but unfortunately this ragtag volunteer (laughs) (laughs) army in need of a shower could not defeat a global superpower. (laughs) The raging elephants absolutely stampeded in the fourth, ending up with a 52-24 victory over the volunteers.
4: Tyler, Dick Van Dyke, roasted the wolf back in his fireplace, then chimney swept them away to the tune of 325 yards and four tutties, as my hammy held on to beat North Carolina State in front of a stadium only two-thirds full. 31 to 30.
2: Shout out to Dan. (laughs) There was an absolute Wake Forest fire on Saturday as the Demon Deacons lit up the field, the scoreboard, and America's Army. Not the troops. (laughs) Wake's defense saying, Wake me up! Before you throw because 'cause I'm not planning on tackling solo. The knights tried to fight back with the run, but there was not enough firepower in the entire U.S. military to keep up. Six. Wake Forest wins 70 to 56. What?
1: <laughs> All right, we head on over to Corvallis, Oregon, where Pac-12 After Dark did not disappoint. The Justin Beavers sang. My mama don't like the youths, and she likes everyone. Well, I've been blocking all your puns and been taking all your dubs. Oregon State damned the Utah offense late, winning the game 42 to 34.
4: A very stately battle ensued in the middle of nowhere as the Cowboys rode into a cyclone and got swirled up in a ref show. The Rock is Purdy threw for two tutties and one got called back for a tauntaun taunty. <coughs> On the final drive of the game, the location came back to bite Gundy's Bundy's, <laughs> as there were only two camera angles to review the spot. In 2021? In the end, it doesn't even matter, as Oklahoma Saint got excommunicated by Iowa saint 24-21. <laughs>
2: In an unholy beatdown, the Ohio State Buckeyes turned the Indiana Hoosiers into the Indiana Losers. Oh. CJ Mark Stroud completed more passes than Indiana even attempted, raining down four touchdowns on Indiana's defense that had more holes than a slice of Swiss cheese. Oh, no. Ohio State jumps right back into playoff contention, winning 54 to 7.
1: Now we head to Pittsburgh, where the Tigers came riding high-mounted by two quarterbacks with unpronounceable last names. Ungalunga and Puchamakina sucked it up with more power than a Dyson vacuum, while Kenny picketed them apart for over 300 yards. Pitt takes down Clemson, 27-17. Suck,
4: Clemson sucks. In the last game, Jared ever picks without checking the uniforms first. The speckled Humpty Dumpties rolled right into Bruin Town and sat on the wall. Right after kickoff, they had a great fall as Chip on his shoulder Kelly swung out to an early lead. But alas, it was not to be as Mario Crystal Ball put Humpty back together again and dyed the sissy blue a deep shade of Travis. In a final attempt at a win, DTR said, I'm out, and Ethan Garber telegraphed his baby food right into the Declan's open mouth. Or Not Gone wins 34-31.
2: Meanwhile, in The Secret Lies with Charlottesville, Brennan, strong arm, flexed to the tune of almost 500 all-purpose yards and six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's a lot. Look out. In this wild thousand banger, the Jello o recovered two straight onside kicks and had a shot at tying the game late. But the football gods said, We've had enough overtimes today, and gave the stallion fixin' foyer the dub. The swashbucklers beat the honeycombs 48-40. to not Trevor Lawrence,
1: Kansas, the Boomers were not Sooners as Caleb Williams had a hard time getting out of bed with the national media and the Chalk Rockers came out swinging like Snoop Dogg at Midnight Madness. Turns out Lincoln Lylee's night out with the referees paid off as the stripes saved the game for the now most hated team in America. Kansas, we love you and are truly sorry for this loss. The Boomer Schooner comes this close to flipping again but ends up still in the dub. 35-23. to
4: We head back over to the West Coast, where the Fresno State Bulldogs tamed the Nevada Wolfpack. Carson came on with a very strong performance, tossing the ball 61 times for four tutties, while trying to chase down Fresno State. But the Bulldogs threw on a pair of shades, hopped on a skateboard, and rode away to a 34-32
2: victory. We finish off in not-so-happy Valley, where the Hogmollies' Bielma did not recruit, were out in full force, racking up 357 rushing yards. Keegan-Michael Key, acting as head coach, couldn't help but laugh as the game went to overtime. And then... Another one. 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 And then. Another one. Wow! That's a lot, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> the Fighting Illini now have both an undefined mascot and undefined season as they pull off the miraculous upset over pent up aggression state 20 to 18.
4: I'm gonna need some water after that.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's go over week eight. Our picks, uh, it was a good week for picks. Uh, we actually had a very good performance by all parties involved. Yeah, bounce back. Uh, the yes. upset picks was you know kind of all right. The mm-hmm. fact that Jared's upset pick didn't hit. I think is completely atrocious. Uh, I mean, I guess you got one point, right? Technically it hit, but I didn't get an outright win, which is frustrating. The fact that Oklahoma State lost that game is absolutely embarrassing. Yep. Uh, Nevada covered, so I got one point as well. Unfortunately, Maryland got absolutely blown out by Minnesota. so It's not pretty.
1: Not pretty. pretty.
0: (laughs) Zero points for Dan and for Dr. Hansen. But Dr. Hansen came back with a roaring 7-3 record. With the ten picks that he she, made, he which is, is, now, is now the yeah. leader amongst all guests. So shout out to Dr.
3: Hanson. That man some cheeses. <laughs> uh we all went six and four, and I still hold the lead, forty-one to twenty-nine, and you guys are right there at 39-31. So it's still at your heels. Still very close. Oregon Trump State Trump. saved my Booty on Saturday night. God.
0: <sighs> yeah, you know what? I hate Oregon State, and I will never put cheeses on them ever again. I was so excited. If I get this, I'm 7-3, and three and Jared is 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. And, Dan, you, you did I, Oregon State too, right? Yeah, I
1: picked Oregon State. Dan would have been 7-3 and three seven as well. And three? So we would have... You would have tied? It would have been
0: me. a three-way tie for first place. But then Oregon State, of course, had the choke. Them <sighs> Beavers really, really sucked. So uh, God bless the chainsaw. Oh, sorry. Why, why am I saying that Oregon State choked? Utah choked. Oregon State... Made us choke taking home the dub. I can't believe that. Maybe uh,
3: maybe you should put all your Cheez Its on Oregon State next time.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. I've never put in my Cheez Its against Oregon State.
3: There we go. And uh, Dr. Hansen was right in his uh, pick of Paloma Valley JV squad over Utah. <laughs> maybe he was
0: right in disowning me. Goodness gracious. It's oh, the no. last time I picked Utah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Learned our lesson. Well, it was a great week of college football. The ten AM games were actually like probably the best games. they were really <laughs> <Yeah>. good, <laughs> which is yeah. weird. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. We got a lot of hot topics now that we want to
1: yeah. cover. Some talking, yeah, points. it's starting to
0: hit that time of year where you know it's we're getting closer to the end of the season, so more coaching rumors are popping up, mm. transfer rumors are popping up, all kinds of rumors are popping up. So there's lots. Of, there's going to be lots of stuff to talk about over the course of the next few weeks.
3: First one is, like we said, James Franklin. Uh, he is the head coach of Penn State right now. Mm-hmm. He right is in the second year of a six-year deal that he signed in 2020. Right now, he's making about $5.4 which puts him fourth or fifth in Big Ten. Solid. But by the end, he'll be paid $6.5 if he stays, which puts him a close second in the Big Ten right behind Ryan Day. But have you guys seen this latest video of him uh, talking about his matchup with Ohio State? Sure have. (laughs) (laughs) You mean
0: the one where he forgot that he was going up against Ohio
1: State?
0: (laughs) If I remember correctly, he goes on to say, they ask him, like, how do you feel about these coaching rumors swirling
3: around? Are you considering other jobs? the future of Penn State and stuff like that. He says,
0: you know what, right now, all I'm doing, I'm focusing on Illinois. And then he said again, we are focusing on Illinois. We are just talking about Illinois. And then he went on to say that they had a road trip to the big house, which is Michigan. But really they play at the shoe they play Ohio State, not Illinois nor Michigan. So where is his head at?
1: Yeah um, James Franklin I I liked him until you know this kind of I don't know if I want to call it like ego business or what he's been distracted it seems like you know that interview that video clearly mm-hmm. show. He's been at Penn State since 2014. Well, it's been I a while. He's it's been there for up. a while. And before that, he was at Vanderbilt. And he averaged eight wins per year at Vanderbilt. Yeah, he actually won <laughs> at Vanderbilt. Crap. Which is yeah. very impressive. quite an accomplishment. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been good at Penn State, too. And I think that's a good fit for him. But, yeah. Um, it seems like he's kind of got his eyes elsewhere. I'll be sad to see him leave the Big Ten there. But. Yeah, who knows what'll happen? It might just make college football more interesting. We'll see. Yeah.
3: Uh, next hot topic. After this game, should we be worried about Cincinnati?
0: So that, that's an interesting question because you know Navy is not good this year. You know, this is not the Navy team of the past that used to be ranked in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Navy is like what two and six, two and, or even one and six, I think. One and she, six, she something and like that. Seven, they yeah. do not have very many wins of the season. Um. I don't think I'm worried about them, though. I feel like every big team plays around with the team that they shouldn't at some point during the year. The fact that Cincy still won is a very good sign to me. I think Cincy has superior talent, and I think Cincy will be able to make it all the way to the end of the season undefeated and will end up in the playoff. But the Week 11 matchup between Cincy and SMU is looking very, very interesting. If SMU can also win out, we could have an undefeated matchup Week 11.
3: That would be fantastic. Yeah. I worry about Cincinnati, not because I don't think they're going to win out. I think they'll win out. The reason I worry about them is because the committee is now, they now have their excuse to why Cincinnati is not a top four team. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they now can point at that and be like, well, Cincinnati is not a top 15 team because they only won by seven against Navy. Who's bad. <laughs> so I don't know. That's what I worry about. But I think, the uh, matchup between Cincinnati and SMU is going to be a banger as well.
1: Yeah, I think as a group of five team, you're kind of playing on thin ice every week. It seems You have to win convincingly if you want any respect from you know, the committee and the national pundits or whatever. Um, Cincinnati does have that win against Notre Dame, which was good for them and really kind of catapulted them into consideration. But I think this... It's still a win, but they beat a bad Navy team by one score. I think that does kind of set them back a little bit, but they will have a chance to redeem themselves with the SMU game and the rest of the games on their schedule. Absolutely. They they were probably on a bit of a hangover because they absolutely
0: blew out UCF. (laughs) Like, that was not close. Which is kind of their conference rival. Yeah, and you know, that win over Notre Dame, it didn't look great at first because Notre Dame was kind of struggling at the beginning of the season, but... Up until this point, Notre Dame is still a one-loss team. They're only lost to Cincinnati. So that game might actually save them at the end of the year. Let's hope so. The next hot topic that we wanted to talk about is there's some weird things going on in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. At first, it looked like Oklahoma was the clear favorite to win, that they were heads and shoulders above everybody else. But then Kansas almost beat them. (laughs) And if it wasn't for some Caleb Williams magic and some ref bullcrap. Yeah, magic in parentheses. Yeah, some (laughs) referees that quote magic. I can't believe they didn't call that stop progress. Anyway, if it's not for that, Kansas has a chance to win that game. So with that happening,
3: who's going to win the Big 12? I do not trust Oklahoma. And it's not because of just the Kansas game. In all their other games, even with Cale Booms at the helm, they've barely been beating the Big 12 teams, right? And I think the the Texas win is probably their best win up until this point, right? Um, Just because of the comeback. But I don't trust Texas. Heck no. I don't trust Oklahoma, not after what I've seen from them. And I don't trust Oklahoma State either. Those are the three highest ranked teams in the Big 12. Um, But Baylor... I trust Baylor, and it's not just because we got absolutely fadoodled by them, but they had one uncharacteristic game versus Oklahoma State, but have looked extremely impressive every week since. They can run the ball, they can play defense, they can throw the ball, they take care of the ball, and I think that they're going to play the winner of Bedlam in the
1: Big 12 Championship and win. Okay. Uh, I think Baylor definitely recently has looked better than most teams in the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma, it's hard to pick against them in the Big 12. It seems like that's kind of been their conference Mm -hmm. for the last few years. And I do feel much better about them with Caleb Williams instead of Spencer Rattler. (laughs) I think they'll probably win it. I don't think it'll be like a landslide. Like, they'll clearly be the best team. I think they'll have just enough to win that conference.
3: Okay. Okay.
0: I do think Oklahoma's going to win the Big 12 just because it seems like they always find a way to do so. Um, I don't know <laughs> yep. how, but they always find a way. Second place will likely be decided Saturday, this coming Saturday, between Baylor and Texas. Mm. Um, I don't think Texas is an incredible team, but I think Sarkeesian is going to learn from his mistakes. Big 12 ball is different than SEC ball, and he's <laughs> trying to you know, get accustomed to it, At Alabama, you could take your foot off the gas because you could rely on your defense to make stops. At Texas, heck, no, you can't. You have to score seventy points to win. He's getting used to it. I think. I think Baylor's going to win. I do think Oklahoma will end up defeating Baylor, though, in the Big Twelve Championship game.
3: All right. Uh, Next hot topic: What even is the Heisman race? Who, (laughs) who is like? There is no clear front runner. I mean, what what are we thinking, guys? We got the odds. For the Heisman race. And right now, the odds on favorite to win is Bryce Young for mm. the Alabama quarterback. Honestly, I think that's just kind of like by default. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Alabama quarterback. Alabama yeah, quarterback, right? Insert Alabama quarterback <laughs> here. Uh, same with CJ Stroud. Like, he had a very rocky start of the season, but now he's yeah. looking better.
0: He's playing good.
3: Yeah. yeah he's picked it up. He's sure. got third best odds. Second best is our boy Matt Corral. Man, he looked Corral. really good. Fourth, Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh. He looks pretty good. Yes. He looks great. great and then
1: Caleb Williams has fifth best odds. So, what do you guys think? It's kind of a weird season, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. the been Very weird. It seems like there's not the same level of star power that we've seen in the yeah. past. Especially last year when we had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, all yep. those great quarterbacks. This year seems kind of like a down year. Um, I think recently CJ Stroud has looked the most impressive to me. He's mm-hmm. really been you know, torching those Big Ten defenses. And I don't know why Caleb Williams is on there. He's only started, like, two games. <laughs> <laughs> but those are my thoughts about the Heisman race.
0: Okay. You know, Matt Corral, as much as I want to say he's going to win the, the Heisman, has not had as prolific a year this year as he did last year. You know, he's kind of in a slump right now. I think if I were to put cheeses down on the Heisman race right now, given how the betting odds are right now, I would put at least 75% of my cheeses down on Kenny Pickett. Mm. I think Kenny Pickett has been playing very well. He's got a good wide receiver core. He's in the ACC, which doesn't have phenomenal defensive play. I think he's going to continue lighting it up in these last four games of the season.
3: All right. That's a hot pick. I like that. Personally, I, I'm i not going to put cheeses on anybody right now because I have no idea who these people are. I think, like you said, Matt Corral, Um, not as sexy as he was last year Mm. and his big moment, his Heisman moment should have been the Alabama game, but they didn't win. He didn't look fantastic in that game. For me, the biggest thing, uh, you have to have a great season as a Heisman winner, but you also need to have like a Heisman game or a Heisman moment, right? Where you just take over and you beat a good team and it's kind of like because of you. Right. And we haven't seen anybody on this list do that yet. The only
0: one you can make an argument for is Caleb Williams against Texas.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, true. But like Dan said, he's only started two games, right? And so you kind of need to see more from him as far as the season goes. For me, I would look out for Kenneth Walker the third, running back from Michigan State. I think if Michigan State ends up beating Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and they win the Big Ten, it's going to be because of him. He's amazing. He's been rushing for like 150 yards a game. So I'd look out for him. But I think he is 6th in the odds. 6th? Okay. So yeah, he's like right here. He's on the radar. But yeah, uh, we got to wait for this latter half of the season to see those big Heisman moments from these guys.
0: Alright, so last question. What do we think of the new overtime rule? So back in the day, you just kind of played overtime as much as you wanted until we had that huge, huge scoring game, which I believe was LSU and Texas Mm A&M. That went into seven or eight overtimes? Seven, I believe. Seven overtimes, and they were just scoring and scoring and scoring. So they changed it so that beginning at the third overtime, you just get the ball at the three-yard line, and you have a chance to basically make a two-point conversion. Yep. What do you think of the new rule, Dan?
1: So we saw this new rule in the Penn State versus Illinois game. Which, Which was nine over time, right? Yeah, <laughs> NCAA record. And I think it's a big improvement, personally. I think it's a lot better for the players. Um, it's quicker you don't have those like eight-hour football games or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Probably not eight hours, but it's definitely a lot better for the players and better for the fans, too. I think shorter is better in that case, as long as you can fairly decide the winner. And it reminds me a little bit about... Um, soccer penalty shootouts, or mm-hmm. just yeah. kind of back and forth, you know, one one and done plays, which is exciting. I think that in soccer, at least, has its own problems that people like to complain about. But I think compared to the old rules, it's definitely better.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. 1000% agree. I freaking love it. I love these overtime rules. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I think it's genius. If you cannot punch the ball in from two to three yards away. You do not deserve to win a football game. You have to be able to give that last push. I love it. I love the two point conversions because, where I guess you can make the argument, you know, if you gave them the ball at the 25 yard line and they had to score and then convert the two point, like it would be a little more skill involved, which you could say. But putting the ball at the two, three yard line, it's all about heart. It's all about who wants it more at that point. Mm-hmm. It's all about chess. It's all about outsmart- outsmarting the opposing coordinator. So I, I really love these rules. I think it should continue and I really hope it does.
3: Yeah. Personally, I didn't mind the old way. I think uh it did it could drag on, but like what are the times we saw a seven overtime game? Just once, right? Yeah. Other than that, they were always settled in one, two or rare times three, right? Right. But as far as these new rules goes, mm-hmm. the national media has been completely just ball sacking these new rules which I do not agree with. I think it's (laughs) fantastic. It's, like Danny said, that's a a fantastic point. It's so much safer for the players, right? Yeah, Because it's one play. It's not an entire series, right? Mm -hmm. And these start, and the biggest thing for me is these start after the third, like at the third overtime, right? right? You have your first two overtimes, which I love the rule for the first two overtimes, right? The 25 yard thing, right? That's great. Same. Let's be honest. If you can't settle it after two overtimes, then what's playing more game going to do? You need to have something yeah. like a penalty shootout, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine soccer if they didn't have penalty shootouts, right? We could oh be playing goodness. for days. They just
0: kept playing. Right. Oh, 72 man. hour game. It'd be freaking like Players
3: a Quidditch match. On the field. Yeah. <laughs> and so the penalty shootout basically comes down to who's got the bigger balls, who has most grit. Like, Danny, like Justin was saying, you know, I'm going to outsmart you. I'm going to out physical you. So I think it's perfect. If you can't settle it, let's just line up and be men about it and just go at it. One of my
0: favorite things about this two point conversion overtime thing is for whatever reason, coaches will never just run the ball straight up the A gap (laughs) and just like punish somebody. Yeah. They're gonna throw some like cute double reverse backwards pass, flea flicker, fumble Rooski. Like it's gonna be it's absolutely insane. So it's funny to watch like what they come up with and it's funny to watch it. Fail hilariously, so <laughs> I am completely in favor.
3: Yep, I love it. I think it's great. I kind of want to see BYU go into six overtimes with Virginia on Saturday. <laughs> Ooh, be fun. In the snow? <laughs> late, yes. Late night. <laughs> um. Anyway, let's get on to our final segment, our playoff Pete and lurkers. What everybody's been waiting for because this year has been nuts, and we really only have I I don't I don't even know how to how to say it, but we only have about a month left, and mm-hmm. we have no idea what the playoffs are. be. insane, going yeah. yeah it's only been a, a month, crazy year, lots of upsets. So, Dan, you want to kick us off? Who are your playoff four right now?
1: My playoff four. My you guys might hate me for this, but they come from only two conferences. <laughs> how, <laughs> wait, which conference? That Mountain West. Uh, I think it, um, maybe, Con- maybe USA. Sun Belt and the MIAC, the Ivy League. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's the SEC and the Big Ten powerhouses. I think Georgia, we can all agree, is at that number one spot thus mm-hmm. far, and unless they lose, they will stay there. Yep. The next ones are where it gets interesting. Number two, I have Ohio State. Ooh. And I've been high on them for the last few weeks. Them, no, not literally, kind of figuratively mm-hmm. high on them. Right. And <laughs> they've clarify. been impressing me lately. I think they figured things out and they're very dangerous. They've got their uh, Big Ten gauntlet coming yes. up with their big games against um, the Penn States and the Michigans and the Michigan States. So it's hard to say what will happen there with all those matchups, but right now I have them at two. Be Sean Clifford, one hundred percent healthy for though for the Ohio State yeah, game. Yeah, he'll be back, which That's will be huge because
3: in the Illinois game you could one hundred percent tell he yeah. was
1: limping before, around before before he yeah. went off against Iowa. Penn State looked much better than Iowa, right? And, yeah. But that really turned the game around. I think that'll be a great game. Uh, anyways, number three, I've got Alabama. I've two okay. one loss teams as well. <laughs> <laughs> two and three, which sickening. A lot of people probably will hate. I just think those are the top three teams. And number four, I have Michigan, who are undefeated. Yeah. And they'll, just like Ohio State, will have a chance to prove themselves in the coming weeks. hmm And I guess I should say my lurkers. You guys are probably wondering, what about Cincinnati or Oklahoma? Well, they're my lurkers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they look good as Ohio State, Alabama, or Michigan, despite their record, but... And you know, we'll see with the coming weeks how everything plays out. Mm-hmm.
0: I got to agree with you, Dan. I think Georgia is absolutely the number one team in the nation. Uh, we've been saying that for quite a while now. Uh, we've said that since like, no, I've said that since like week two or week three. Ever since Alabama fumbled around with Florida, I was saying Georgia was the number mm-hmm. one team in the nation. Uh, I agree. I think Ohio State is looking absolutely dangerous right now. Yep, Their offense finally gelled. They are playing incredibly. They are the number two team in the nation. I'm going to throw Cincy at number three. Mm. There you go. I really think Cincy is a good team. I think they are a very, very good team. And I would like to see two Ohio teams play each other in <laughs> the be uh, awesome. playoff. I think that would be really funny. <laughs> Ohio. Ohio State and Cincy. Uh, number four, I'm going to throw Oklahoma there, even though they almost lost to Oklahoma because they have looked good. And I'm going to give them the same leeway that I'm giving Cincinnati, where, okay. you know, in Alabama, everybody has a fluke game, but they want it. That's, and that's what matters.
1: That's what matters most.
0: Lurking around, I really only think that there is one other team that could sneak into the playoff, and I think it is Alabama. For Alabama to sneak in, they would have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to keep them at five for a while because yeah. I do not think they will sneak into the top. I don't. Well, they're they're already sneaking into the top four. I don't think they'll be able to maintain themselves in the top four unless they beat Georgia.
3: All right. Uh, I also have Georgia number one, obviously. My number two, I got that team up north, and this may come as a surprise, but Ohio State looked absolutely pitiful against Oregon early in the year. And I know it was early in the year, I know Ohio State has looked fantastic, but, and honestly, like, if you go watch Ohio State, who I have as my number three team, um, their defense is literally a completely different team. Like they changed scheme. They changed person, like everything you could change. They changed. So I'm impressed about that. But there is kind of that, oh, when Ohio State gets them to a big game, who are they going to be? Are they going to be the team that was up 44 to seven at halftime? Or are they going to be the team that got absolutely run over at home?
1: Yeah, that's true. That'll be in the back of your minds for Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got Michigan
3: over Ohio State. Uh, Number four, I got Alabama. Uh, Kind of for the same reasons you guys were saying. They look good. They lost a close game and they have, they control their own destiny. If they went out and beat Georgia, they're in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then lurking, I got Cincy, obviously, from what you guys have said, and Oregon. Oregon? Wait. Oregon? What what conference is Oregon in again? Uh, The The Pac-10. Pac-10? Yeah. Yes. We don't believe in 12. Oregon's uh, playoff hopes are about the size of. What's something incredibly small? A mustard seed. Rhode Island.
1: (laughs) Rhode Island and a
3: mustard seed. No. (laughs) Two very different (laughs) Oregon is going to (laughs) lose... I'm going to say it right now. They're losing two more games. Two more? Actually, no. Just one. Just Just one. one. They're going to lose to Oregon State. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to win the Pac-12 championship. Nope. They're not even going to make it the Pac-12 championship. I'm calling it right now. Oregon State is going to the Pac-12 championship So
1: how many losses... The Pac 12 champion have?
3: how many? Does Oregon State have right now? Two,
1: Two?
3: I want to say two, I want to say two as well. I'm gonna say that the Pac 12 champion is going to have, (laughs) should I say three?
1: (laughs) Three losses. (laughs) That's kind of what I was
3: thinking. I
1: honestly, that's Oregon State
0: is currently five and two. Yeah, five
1: and two. I'm gonna guess three. Pac-12 champ has three losses. The best (laughs) team in the Pac-12 will have three losses. Oh, yeah. That's classic (laughs) Pac-12.
3: I think the playoff will suit itself out in the next... By Thanksgiving, we'll know exactly who, right? Basically. Hmm. A few huge weekends coming up. Actually, yeah. Yeah.
2: We,
3: change, change, so. I'm not changing. I was thinking about it, but because I changed my pick to UCLA on the pick of mm. last week, yeah. I'm not doing anything <laughs> on air. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> I am disgusted with
0: both of you uh, putting two SEC teams into the playoff. Um, we need that SEC bias out of here. Please, just, uh, yeah, no, no more SEC bias. <laughs> yeah,
1: the SEC and the East Coast bias. East Coast They're bias. Very Except, strong.
0: Yeah, oh, we bias. had a little bit of West Coast stuff, but then Jared absolutely obliterated it. So.
3: Yeah, well, the Pac-12 is going <laughs> to obliterate itself. <laughs> Pac-12 <be> <laughs> after
0: dark.
1: Yeah, anyway. Have we ever had two SEC teams?
3: Yes. Georgia and Alabama. When we were in the first year of our missions. Oh, Georgia and
1: Alabama right. were both Back in. Three, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's precedent. Mm-hmm. There's precedent.
3: <laughs> as long as, I don't know, the SEC championship game really is just going to decide the fate for both Georgia and Alabama. Actually, more Alabama than Georgia. Yeah, more Alabama. But I think it could also decide the fate for a one-loss Michigan State team, um, a one-loss Michigan team, or a undefeated Cincy. I think that game might decide if Cincy gets in or not. Yes, it will. All right, everybody, that concludes this episode of the Les Talk
0: Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and for listening this far in. If you listen this far, uh, send us a message on Instagram at Les Talk Pod, and we will shout you out in the next episode. Uh, Yeah, remember to follow our Instagram at Les Talk Pod. We are posting a ton of content on there, videos, reels, all kinds of things. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Follow us on Twitter at Les Talk Pod. Check out our website, lestalkpodcast.com. And please share this episode with your friends and your family. Every rating, every download, every listen really helps out more than you guys know. We love you guys. Thank you. Go, Kooks.